Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Boneyard. This is your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Hope you're well out there today. It's a good day. It is. We're one day closer to college baseball season. I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, I really dig college baseball. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. If you're a fan of this show and you're a fan of Mississippi State, chances are you do. You may have heard I recently wrote a book about Mississippi State's 2021 NAFL championship season. And I'll tell you, we're nearly out of the first printing. Nearly completely sold out. I already sold over 80% of the books. And so let me explain a couple of things to you. Uh, there are a few of you that are still, I say few, there's still several of you that are still waiting for your online order to show up. So last night, uh, after I got finished up with Bo Bounds and his crew, what a great afternoon we had there at the Out of Bounds studio. Went and signed about 600 books to take care of the outstanding online orders and give them some backup signed stock. You know, many of you just want signed books, and so you order online, and they'll send those to you. 
A lot of people requested personalization, so I had to knock a lot of that stuff out. And I'll be honest with you, in, in the future, I don't know if we do that. You know, I, th- I think in the future, maybe if you come to a sign-in, I can personalize it. But, um, you know, if we ever have a book, you know, we expect to sell with the same, you know, rate that this one does. I don't know that I can do all that. And, and it's not that I don't want to do that. It's just it is so incredibly time-consuming uh, to get all that done. We, we've never had this number of sales in such a short time. And that includes Flim Flam. You know, Flim Flam is my best-selling book because we had a lot of Ole Miss people that also read the books. We were able to kind of sell on both sides of the aisle. It was a little more of a national book in many respects. So we, we toured on that book for a while. But um, Dogpile is going to surpass anything we've ever done, including Flim Flam. And it's not going to be close. And so what happens in the book business is you do what's called a short run to start. Because you don't want to go out and print 20,000 books with the same error in it. And there are always some errors. There are some things that, you know, we talked about before that they get lost in the editing process. Or there's a problem with a typesetter. And there are a few little things in the book. And that's the beauty of the first edition. It's the same reason people like want to go out and get those uh, error baseball cards, right? Because they're rare, right? So, but anyway, you don't want to go print those books with all those errors in them. And that's not anything that's factual or something like that. I mean, it's just it's from layout things. And there's a, there's, a, there's a word that's misspelled. I think there's one word in the whole book, or maybe two. I think I added an extra O to Braden Althoff's name one time. So that's all that gets fixed in the second printing. And so you do what's called the short run. Well, because you know the, the demand for this book was so high, they doubled the short run. And so what we ordinarily would have done, we doubled that. And so little did we know that in um, you know, less than two weeks, nearly all those books are going to be gone. Now, here's the good news. Um, we're printing more. And so that's already been approved. All the changes have been approved. A second printing is already uh, you know, planned. It's not being printed yet. It will probably be April when we get those books. So go ahead and be prepared for that. Late April, early May. And so there are some of you that are planning to come to some out-of-state signings. Well, we're going to kind of put some books back for those. I know Baton Rouge, we've had to reschedule that thing twice now. It's our third date in Baton Rouge. Uh, a couple of years ago, we're going down for Stark Villains, and there was some tornadic activity, and so they elected to cancel the signing in Baton Rouge, or I guess reschedule it. And then the next time we got ready to do it, uh, COVID-19 hit, and we all went into quarantine. So I lived in Baton Rouge for 16 years, and haven't had an opportunity to go down there and do a book signing. So we're going to go down there. There's a lot of people out there in, in the Baton Rouge area that are eager to see me again. I'm eager to go eat at Fleur de Lis Pizza, to be honest with you. We're going to be down at Drusilla Seafood, which is a fabulous place to go eat. Outstanding. So those things are coming up. But you know the biggest issue today is uh, getting those orders out. So, so while you listen to this, while, under, while you're hearing my voice, there are four people working diligently to package up all those books that I signed last night. And you can say, well, Steve, I thought you went down there and already signed thousands of books. I did. I did. Unfortunately, there was a glitch in the computer programming. So there was like a batch of orders. And unfortunately, it was a lot of the earliest orders. So the people that love me the most have had to wait the longest. And I, and I hate that. I really do. I mean, I, I could sit here and kind of bemoan that for a long time because you know, usually the people that go out and buy first are the people that love the work the most, the people that are most excited. And unfortunately, they're the ones that have been inconvenienced the longest. And it really bothers me. It really does. And everybody is so incredibly apologetic. 
I, I can promise you that. And they're apologetic to me because at the end of the day, everybody involved with the production of the book from the from my agent and everybody involved with publishing, they understand it's my name on the book. You know, many of them, while they have worked tirelessly to help this project come along and be a reality, you know, it's not their name on the book. And nobody knows who they are. I know who they are. You know, my, my agent knows who they are. And they do a thankless job in many respects. And so, you know, one of the first things that I did yesterday is, you know, I walk in there to go sign those books and there's some long faces, you know. And I'm sure maybe there's a part of them that expects me to come in there and just start throwing things. And, and yeah, I'm frustrated, but, you know, things happen in life. And so I got to go over there and hug next and tell everybody it's going to be okay. Let's just get it knocked out. And then little did I know, it was actually more than I expected. But I just did it. I, I mean, I'm a workhorse. I just sat down, knocked them out. And there were times you were thinking, well, you know, why don't you just spend a night? Well, I got to get up and bring the kids to school in the morning. So I can't do that. So I'm going to stay here until we get all this done. And I can tell there were people like, I wish we'd just go on to bed. Well, I, I can't, you know. I got to get this done because you guys are dependent on me. You guys have been incredible to me. And uh, you guys want your book. You want to continue to be part of the party, man. You want to celebrate the 2021 National Championship season. And so, so here's what's happened, okay. So all that got printed out, got all the books separated. I signed them, personalized them. And then they started packaging last night. And that's all they're doing today. So... Many of you were instructed to email the websites. Hey, email the website. They'll, they'll pull your tracking number, whatever. So we have basically made a decision to kind of delay the response to those emails. And I know that you're like, oh, well, Steve, I don't understand how long does it take to send an email. Well, when you got, a, you got about 100, a couple hundred you got to send, it takes a little while, even if you're copying and pasting the same message. And you don't want a generic message. And so as I was talking to my publisher last night, or, or the night before, when the error was discovered, I was like, hey, Let's just get the books out because people would rather have the book than an email. So if you don't get a response from your email, please don't panic. And please don't think, oh, well, nobody cares. We care. And it's the fact that they care so much. We're just kind of putting all that on hold while we get this stuff processed. And so many of you are going to get an email of sorts today. Maybe you've already gotten it, you know, as your order is complete. So once they print your mailing label, and they slap it on a, uh, your package, you're going to get that information. You're going to get your order is complete. And then you're going to, you can kind of, okay, well, things are moving. And so, you know, the hope is, is to have everything in the mail by, you know, noon on Thursday. There'll be, you know, three or four trips at the post office today, and then they'll get the rest out tomorrow. And, you know, some of the bigger orders with multiples, because we've had some people buy, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 books. You know, they had to get some special packaging for that. That's already been ordered. And so that may get out Friday, may even be Monday. I'm just trying to prepare you. I mean, I, I don't want to have any, you know, false expectations because there have been multiple times that I've told you guys because it's been related to me, hey, everything ordered through the website has been shipped. And then we find out later that that's not the case. And so we're just trying to get it handled. But don't fret. You're going to get your books. You're going to get them. And I know some people say, well, Steve, I hear that you're almost out of books. What about all, all of us? Well, you guys take priority. How about that? You guys take priority. If you already paid for a book, you ordered through the website, you know, before anybody else, before we backfill any orders with any more bookstores, we're going to make sure you guys are accounted for. That's one of the reasons that I signed about another 150 to 200 extra books, just in case. Just in case there's something else that pops up, something glitchy that we didn't know about or that they didn't make me aware of, your book's already going to be signed. And so then they can just get, instead of waiting for me to come back down there, 
they can just go ahead and print that and get that in the mail to you. So that, that's what we're trying to get taken care of. So I wanted to give you guys an update first on that because, you know, it, is, it has been a process, but it is winding down. And there are a lot of people in this thing that, you know, that they're, you know, that they're just like, Steve, I'm just, I'm just so embarrassed. And I'm like, you know what? Hey, everybody's being great. They're eager to get their books, but nobody's being difficult. And there have been one or two, I guess. But, but the reality of it is, is everybody's been cool and everybody understands things happen in life. And, you know, I just hate it when it happens to us. You know, I value our relationship, whether it be through jeanspage.com or the Boneyard or, or through the books. I don't take any of you all for granted. And so as soon as all this happened, uh, I found out on, uh, what is today? Wednesday. I found out Monday, oh, you're not going to believe this. I said, well, I'll be there tomorrow. You know, because I, that's how much it matters to me. I understand the urgency. It is an, an, very much an emergent situation for me. And so I do everything that I can to not be an impediment to that process. So it's like, oh, we've got all these books, but we need Steve to sign them. Well, Steve's already there. So I'm going to get in the car and drive down there. I got home at 1.30 this morning and then got up at 6. Didn't mean, I didn't want to get up at 6. I didn't want to. Had the alarm clock set for 7.15. Woke up at 6, and I'm like, I've got too much to do today. I'm going to go and get moving. So it's probably a go-to-bed-early night tonight. You know, watch a basketball game. We're going to preview that a little bit later in the show, and then I'll, uh, we'll have our nightly chat session over at jeanspage.com, talk a little recruiting, and then I'm probably going to turn in. Probably going to turn in. But you know how that goes, though. It's like, you know, I'm going to bed early tonight, and then at like, you know, 1 in the morning, uh, you know, <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures on cable or something like that. And you're like, oh, i got to watch this now. You know, so, but, you know, I'll sleep a lot when I'm dead, for sure. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. And I loved them before they loved me. I really did. So happy to partner with them. I like to work with the winners. That's, I consider myself a winner. So I choose to affiliate with winning people and winning programs and winning companies. And that's what we have, a Bulldog Burger Company. They're winners. So go have a celebratory victory meal of your own at Bulldog Burger Company. Bring the team, bring the family, high five at the table, whatever. Go have your own time. Three great locations to serve you right here, University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and, of course, the brand-new one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Flowood area. Go by and check them out. You'll be glad you did. Have the spring rolls. They'll make uh, you and everybody around you better looking. The best appetizer in Starkville proper. I can guarantee you that. I don't know the competition at the other locations, but I can tell you this. There's not a better appetizer in Starkville, Mississippi than the spring rolls. Have that great restaurant quality hamburger. You'll be glad you did. Get the smokehouse. Get the Bryant. Maybe the Lauren. Change it up a little bit. Don't get the same thing every time. And I know it's like, hey, I found my favorite. But, you know, how do you really know what's your favorite? If you haven't sampled the other great restaurant quality hamburgers, you might find something you like even better. Go with what works for you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Our top story, Mississippi State women go on the road and lose in Lexington. And Kentucky's not a great team this year. It's a game we wanted to win. Didn't work out the way we had hoped. And uh, no way whatsoever you're going to hear me be critical of these ladies or this coaching staff. Uh, doing a great job and uh, that one got away from us late you know we had a really we, we got behind and then came back and took a lead and had the lead at the break and had a huge lead late and had to collapse down the stretch and as hard as these ladies have played at some point you kind of expect that to happen you know and so again not going to begrudge them anything whatsoever wanted to win a basketball game don't get me wrong but I'm not going to sit here and say well we're not getting it done. Listen, we're, we're already, 
already exceeding expectations in many respects just because when you think of all the things that these ladies and coaching staff have been through, you know, it is what it is. State now 15-9 and nine overall and 6-6 six and six in the Southeastern Conference. Now 3-5 and five away from Humphrey Coliseum. I guess that's not a true road games. I think totally we're 4-6 and six away from Stark Vegas, 4-6. and six. So let's take a quick look at the ball game here. We have taken some really good teams to Kentucky and come home with a loss. And this is one I think we could venture to say this is not one of our better teams. We don't have a lot of depth. But yet, they still get out there and compete. Kentucky had the early first quarter lead, 25-22. State Storm's back there in the second. A nine-point differential there in the second quarter. 25-16 in the second quarter. That's getting it done right there. I mean, So, we're, we're kind of trading blows in the first, and then we're laying haymakers in the second. So, it's 47-41 at the break. We come out, we win the third quarter. It's now 17-16 in the quarter. So we're building on that lead, and we got absolutely drilled in the fourth. And some of that, too, I'll be honest with you, was our offensive shot selection. There were times we'd go down, jack up kind of an ill-advised three, and listen, I believe in playing to win. You know, one of those shots falls, it's a dagger, right? I mean, you know, it kind of gets the crowd out of it. But what happens is when they get on a roll and then we get on a roll of a negative variety with them, it's a recipe for disaster, and that's kind of what happens. So let's take some time to kind of look at this. Uh, 24-10, decisive fourth quarter that really determined the ballgame. We open up the quarter with a 66-57 lead. It is a nine-point advantage, and you're thinking, hey, we just need to get a good start to the quarter. We ought to be able to get this thing wrapped up. Well, that's really what happens. We, we actually go right to work. We get a defensive stop. We knock down a big three. Jacalia Jordan knocks down the three. They miss a three. We go right back down. Jordan hot again. We, we knock down a jumper. Now, all of a sudden, that nine-point advantage has swelled to 14. It is 71-57 with just over eight minutes to go in the game. Kentucky calls a timeout. We're thinking, hey, this is hey, this is the decisive run here. Well, they get back in the ball game. We foul. And then it's a missed shot by them. Offensive rebound, another missed shot. We finally get the ball back. They commit a foul. So it's back, kind of back and forth. And then Charlotte Cole is fouled and, and makes one of two from the line. It is now a 15-point lead for the Bulldogs with just over seven minutes to go. And at this point, I think we all felt like, hey, this is all going to work out. It never got that good again. 15 points to go. 15-point lead with 7-10 to go. And give Kentucky credit, they didn't quit. Adriana Edwards hits a jumper. Next thing you know, there's a free throw there. And uh, it is a 12-point game. Uh, You know, we miss a layup in the paint, in and out. They go right down and score. We turn the ball over. They go right down and score. So now at the six-minute mark, it's an eight-point ball game, and they have all of the juice. And you're thinking, hey, we just need a chance here. We just need a big basket to kind of, you know, stem the tide here a little bit. And it just took us forever to get anything going. Kentucky, again, goes right down and scores, makes it 72-66. We turn the ball over. They jack up a three. They miss. We get a great rebound. And now it's right, right at four minutes. So we're up six with four minutes to play with the basketball. And then on this next possession, we shoot three consecutive three-pointers. Three. 
Now, I understand at that juncture of the game, if you knock down a three and you push this thing back to nine, which is what you began with the quarter with, it might be a dagger, and it probably takes a lot out of Kentucky. But at some points, you got to take what you can get. So we missed three three-pointers on the one possession. Ran some clock, but we have no points to show for it. And lo and behold, after the third miss, this one by Jacalia Jordan, they go down and score. Now it's a four-point lead. We go back down and jack up another three and miss. They get the rebound. We get a stop, end up getting a foul. They make a couple free throws. Now it's a two-point ball game with 2.16 to play. But it felt like the weight of the world was like on Our Lady's shoulders. It really did. It felt like we just couldn't seem to get anything going offensively. And they had all the momentum. And it seemed like the calls were kind of going their way. I'm not trying to say in any way the game was poorly officiated. But it's just human nature. When the home crowd kind of gets on their feet, sometimes the officials get on a roll with them. And that happens at Humphrey Coliseum, too. I see it all the time. You guys get loud, and all of a sudden, you know, it's just kind of human nature. People are people pleasers for the most part. I mean, there are a lot of great officials out there. Don't get me wrong. But it's just human nature. It's difficult to make the big call against the home team when the, when the home crowd is engaged in the ballgame. Well, they knocked down a couple free throws, and now it's a two-point ballgame, 2.16 to go. We go right down, turn the basketball over, but we get a stop. And then we foul. They make one of two on the free throws, so it is now a one-point Mississippi State lead with 2.06 to go. And then Edwards comes down again. We miss the free throw. They get the rebound. Ryan Howard, who was outstanding for Kentucky, gets the rebound. They knock down a jumper. Now Kentucky has a one-point lead. And it felt like at this point, are we ever going to score again? Well, Anastasia Hayes goes right back and uh, definitely has, you know, she has some dog in her, as we say. Like on the football field, they, they, they got some dog in them. She's got some dog in her. She wanted to win the basketball game wanted to make the plays, goes down, uh, gets the jumper, gives us the one-point advantage, and then we get a defensive stop and get a block. Charlotte Cole, who was improving right before our eyes, we get a block there. However, it's Kentucky basketball, and then they knock down a jumper. And again, it's Edwards, who just was absolutely the straw that stirred the Wildcat drink down the stretch. Kentucky up one with a minute 17 to go. We go down, miss the jumper, and again, Anastasia Hayes trying to make a play to carry the team. Doesn't work out for us. <laughs> Edwards with the block. They get the rebound. They miss a layup. Another offensive rebound. They knock down the jumper. They go up three with 48 seconds to go. And at this point, it felt like we're going to lose the ball game. Our friend Ace Hayes goes down, misses a three-pointer. It would have tied it. They get the rebound. And from there, it's pretty much academic. We're forced to foul Ryan Howard knocks down a couple free throws to put them up five points, 23 seconds to go. And then they had fouls to give, and it took them forever to get it done. But by the end, it didn't really matter because we end up having to foul again. They knocked down a couple free throws. And so, again, you know, you open this with a nine-point advantage. It swells to 15, and you think, hey, we should have been able to put the game away. You know, just 10 points or eight points in a quarter. Or was it 10? Yeah, 10. 10 points in a quarter. You know, so it's like – it's difficult to beat anybody just scoring 10 points in a quarter, and especially on the road. And Kentucky's not a great team. They're not. You know, we're a team, too, that's kind of a fatigued team. We're a high-energy team. We're having to play a lot of games in a short time. And, and so I'm, I'm not trying to excuse the loss, but I'm also not going to pile on these ladies and these coaches 
uh, that are doing such a good job to represent this university under some very difficult circumstances. So, you know, we lose the game. And we've kind of grown accustomed to winning again, so it's a surprise when we lose. But, you know, again, I think our fans have really kind of wrapped their arms around this team and these players. And so, you know, so what's next, you know, for the ladies? Well, you know, we, get, we don't have to wait long to get ready to play a basketball game. Uh, Thursday night in the Humphrey Coliseum, Kim Mulkey, Kramer Robertson's mom, former LSU uh, average player, um, will be in Starkville. I like Kim Mulkey. I know a lot of people, they don't like her. Um, I like her. And it's not just because she married a guy with the last name Robertson. Uh, she's an excellent basketball coach. And I had a chance to uh, to speak to her at the Final Four, or excuse me, at the uh, when we beat Baylor at their place. You know, I had a chance to, to speak with her. She was uh, very engaging. And not at all like you kind of see her at times uh, during postgame. You know, maybe one-on-one she's better. I, she was great to me. And, I, and she's done a remarkable job there at OSU. So we're going to have to bring our lunch pails on Thursday night, uh, to say the least. And then we go right back to work on the road Sunday in Missouri. So busy, busy week for the Mississippi State ladies. Let's look inside the numbers uh, from last night and see who got it done uh, and who didn't. You know, looking uh, team, team numbers first. Points in the paint, Mississippi State with 32. Uh, Kentucky with 30. So you, so you win that despite having the size differential uh, favor them. Points off turnover, 16 for them, 14 for us. So it's basically the same. Second chance points, and this is where offensive rebounding is huge. They had seven. We had seven. They had 21. That's the difference in the ballgame. We talk about the size. We talk about rebounding. That's where we got beat, right there, is their ability to pull down the offensive rebound and our inability at times to pull down the defensive rebound ended up being a 14-point differential in favor of Kentucky. Fast break points, four for us, nine for them. Bench points, 11 for us, and 30 for them. We don't have a bench, so anytime that we get anything off the bench, we're thrilled. But, uh, yeah, it's a great game. And uh, you know, Kentucky did a great job at the free throw line. Really, we talk about offensive rebounding. There are not a lot of basketball games, whether they be college or professional, women's or men, where you see a team shoot 22 or 24 from the free throw line. That's exactly what Kentucky did. Great job of getting to the line. And I've read some people say, hey, something's different here. Well, it's not our style of basketball. You know, it's like when, you know, we have to kind of foul in the post. You know, we don't have a, you know, dominant post player. You know, we're not going to make a lot of those, uh, you know, trips down there and, and get the foul. So it's just a different style of basketball based on the lineup available to Mississippi State. I didn't think, uh, you know, I watched the tail end of this ball game as I signed books. Uh, I didn't think that um, – we got the short end of the stick on the calls. I know it's easy to feel that way when we lose, but the bottom line is, is that we just we went out there and didn't execute as well as we hoped. But we did shoot 49%. You know, that's the thing, too, on the offensive end. We just couldn't get stops late. Lady Bulldogs, 42.3% from three, 11 of 26. Pretty good perimeter shooting, for sure. We're 7 of 9 from the free throw line, just didn't get there enough. So I look at this and it's like, well, what could we have done differently? Well, defensively down the stretch, you know, we, we probably could have picked up a stop or two, probably could have called the timeout or two just to kind of stem the flow of things. But the reality of it is they got on a big roll and we just kind of look powerless to stop it. And so not going to beat anybody up over that, uh, ready for the next one. And again, no matter how this season works out, I have a lot of respect for these ladies and these coaches. Afwe Jones, uh, four minutes of action for her. Uh, did not score, did not attempt a shot, did commit one turnovers and handed out an assist. Aislinn Hayes, 
21 minutes, three of six on the floor, and three three from five from three-point line. Uh, knocked down both free throws, pulled down three rebounds, uh, committed a couple of fouls, and uh, assists, and two turnovers. 11 points to her credit. Charlotte Cole, who was having to play, you know, kind of yeoman's minutes for us now, uh, she was just kind of a you know a support player, and now she's having to play. 34 minutes of action, knocked down her only shot, one of two from the line, pulled down four rebounds, did commit four personal fouls. We did have a little bit of foul trouble last night. Uh, three turnovers for her, a couple of blocks, and just the three points. Uh, Bree Thompson, 33 minutes of action, three of nine from the field, two of six beyond the arc. Pulled down six rebounds, which led the Bulldog team. Commits just one personal foul, three assists, a pair of turnovers, and eight points. Maya Taylor did foul out. And, you know, she is probably Mississippi State's best on-the-ball defender. Does a great job kind of poking the ball away, getting some steals. And I think that was a factor late, not having her on the floor. Uh, But she's out there trying to make a play for the team. Uh, I want to thank you guys, too. There are many of you that reached out after kind of my impassioned uh, soapboxing for Maya Taylor. I said, you know what, Steve, you're right, and I agree. Maya Taylor should be celebrated for her career here at Mississippi State, regardless of how this season ends. And that's exactly how I feel. Uh, 36 minutes of action for her, four of nine from the field, two of five from the three-point line. And and usually when when we've got Maya knocking down multiple three-pointers, it's usually a good night for the Bulldogs. Uh, Four rebounds for her, all on the defensive side. Did commit to five personal fouls. Eight assists and zero turnovers, 11 points. So outside of fouling out, Maya Taylor had an outstanding ballgame. Uh, Jacalia Jordan, a nice night for her, too. 37 minutes of action, 8 of 15 from the floor, 4 of 9 from 3. Pulled down five rebounds. Two of those were offensive rebounds. They'd had seven offensive boards. She had two of those. Uh, three players, uh, excuse me, two players had two. So that's, you know, the team lead there. Uh, three personal fouls and assists, four turnovers, the steal, and 20 points. And your prime shrimp player of the game, once again, it's Anastasia Hayes. 35 minutes of action, 9 of 17 from the field. Missed her only three-point attempt. Perfect from the line, three of three. Five rebounds, four personal fouls, five assists, one turnover, two steals, and 21 points to lead the team. And that's consistently it, right? She was the second lead scorer in the ballgame. But you know, usually we kind of go as she goes. Let's talk real quickly about you know Prime Shrimp. We've introduced those guys uh, on the show here uh, back on Monday. And uh, we did it so quick, they didn't even have the promo code live. So, if you went initially and tried to use your Boneyard promo code to get 50% off your first order from Prime Shrimp and something went wrong, message me. We'll get it taken care of for you. Because, like, here's the deal, guys. And uh, I went down and had some uh, crawfish etouffee at a local eatery here a couple days ago. This time of year, maybe it's all those years in Louisiana, I just kind of start craving seafood. Because a, a lot of my friends, you know, observed Lent. And so we ate a lot of crawfish etouffee. We ate a lot of, you know, shrimp on uh, Fridays. And so I can eat it every day. And uh, I don't, I, I've never felt like that uh, eating seafood is any kind of sacrifice. But when I moved to North Mississippi, I had a lot of people that say, hey, you know, they got good seafood here. And I'll be honest with you, I just didn't agree. And maybe it's because my palate changed from all those years in South Louisiana. I lived in Lafayette, lived in Baton Rouge. Um, and so I'm used to getting that fresh Gulf seafood. This is the next best thing. Prime shrimp. Go check them out today. And the, the best thing about this group, they have been in the shrimping business for a long, long time. Absolutely done a great job with that. So if you're thinking about dinner plans and want to skip the hassle of having to go to the store, prepping, cooking, devaning shrimp, peeling them, all that stuff, like, Steve, I love shrimp. I just don't want to go to all the trouble. It's so much trouble dealing with shrimp. You don't have to do that. 
you visit primeshrimp.com and you order it, and they're going to send you these great little pouches, and the shrimp are ready to go. You just dump them in the pot. It's your next meal. Take a pouch out of the freezer. You don't have to thaw it or prep it or anything. Just drop it in a pot of boiling water, and you've got a restaurant-quality shrimp in under 10 minutes. Try the signature seasoned, and the, the one that I really like, we've already tried uh, two pouches of these, is the French Quarter Alfredo shrimp. And serve it over a bed of noodles. You'll, you know, you'll be glad you did. You, you'll feel like you're in the French Quarter. How about that? Always risk-free purchase and a money-back guarantee. If you don't love it, they'll refund you fully. Use promo code BONEYARD, BONEYARD to get 50% off this week only. That's an introductory offer, so don't delay. If you want to get some great shrimp, and, and listen, many of you are thinking, hey, it's Valentine's Day. Maybe I'll do something post-Valentine's Day to let uh, you know the, the cook in my house know that I love them. Order the shrimp. You'll be glad you did. Because everybody loves shrimp. Everybody that, doesn't, you know, everybody that loves shrimp will love this shrimp even more because you're going to have that high-quality product without all the trouble. So, again, check it out. Your, your player, your prime shrimp player of the game, Anastasia Hayes. So, I mentioned what's kind of next for them, but the uh, reality of it is, is Mississippi State still right there in the thick of things for the NCAA tournament. And I, I think we're going to make it, but we don't have a lot of room to spare, right? We don't have a lot of margin for error. Like if I have to call it today, there's four games left, I suspect we're going to split those games. And I still think that'll be enough to get us in a tournament. If we split, maybe we have to win a game in the SEC tournament. Maybe we do. I, but I think we're fully capable of doing that. And so let's say you go three and three down the stretch. We say, well, Steve, what do you mean? We'll win a game in tournament, lose a game in tournament, right? If I had to call it today, you know, beating LSU at our place is going to be difficult. It is. It's not impossible, though. Then we'll travel to Missouri. We beat them earlier this year. We know we'll get their best shot, and that's a difficult place to play. But I think our ladies also kind of see the finish line and understand what's available to them. The road trip to Knoxville is going to be tough. It always is. They're a great team this year. We've had difficulty beating them here or away. And then we get Arkansas here. So if I had to call it today, I think we take down Mizzou and Arkansas. Now, if we go one and and three down the stretch, then I think you're back on the NCAA tournament bubble and may have to win a couple games uh, there in Nashville. That's going to be here before you know it. And a lot of people continue to say, and there's a lot of articles being written and things like that about, you know, Doug Novak. And so here's what I will tell you about Doug Novak. The guy's done a great job for Mississippi State. And he has earned some fans here down the stretch. Doug handles himself well. Doug's a guy that uh, is very polished and does a great job coaching offense. Is he a candidate for the job? He absolutely is. He absolutely is a candidate for the job. I mean, let's let's say he beats LSU. Let's say you go 4-0 down the stretch. Well, then you've made life awfully difficult in some respects for John Cohen. But in other ways, you've made it easier. And I don't think the guy has to go undefeated to get the job. I do think that he is a candidate. I don't think he is the leader in the clubhouse. I know some people would say, well, Steve – what else is there? Well, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. And there's a lot of people right now that are kind of pulling the rope right now to kind of get this thing done, you know, to kind of get Mississippi State women's basketball season completed in a good spot. There's a lot of people out there that are involved in that process, a lot of people that love these young ladies that are doing a great job uh, to provide them you know, with the resources and the, with the things they need to ensure that they are you're capable of closing this season out on a positive note. And if somebody told you at the beginning of the year, okay, Nikki McCray-Penson is going to leave the program, 
and then your leading scorer is going to lead the program and you still made the tournament, you would say, there's no way. There's no way. But yes way, Ted. Yes way. We could do that. We absolutely could. So, yeah, is Doug a candidate? He absolutely is. Absolutely is. Do I think he's going to get the job? Not, I don't, not right now, no. I don't. And I think I'm probably maybe the lone voice in the wilderness saying that. There are a lot of people out there. And it, listen, it would be a very tidy situation. It'd be very easy for John Cohen to walk down the hall and say, hey, Doug, come here, let's go ahead and get this thing done. Be easy to do. But would it be the right thing to do? And sometimes we get so caught up being prisoners of the moment. I'm guilty of that sometimes, too. You know, when we had the situation where Andy Cannizzaro was let go and Gary Henderson was the interim coach, you know, we bottomed out midseason. We were awful. I remember that after that LSU series, I'm thinking, I'm just, I never thought I would say this, but I'm ready for college baseball season to end at Mississippi State. I was just ready for it to be over. And, and ultimately, it ends in Omaha. And down the stretch, Gary Henderson's group did a great job. And a lot of people thought, hey, let's just hire Gary. Gary got us to Omaha, right? And he did. Would that have been the best thing for Mississippi State, though? Well, at the moment, when we're all wrapped up in the moment, there's this great image of, you know, Gary after we beat Vanderbilt in the Super Regional and, you know, the Gatorade is flowing and Gary's got his fist pointed skyward and they're picking him up. That moment, yeah, we all probably wanted Gary. Because in the moment, we're like, man, we're going to Omaha. I can't believe it. This is a team that was awful. And now we're going to Omaha. We went into Nashville, and we took two out of three from Vanderbilt. Elijah McNamee, Jake Mangum, Hunter Stovall. We did it, man. And it would have been so easy just to do that. And, guys, my honest opinion, and and also blessed with the gift of hindsight, it would have been the wrong decision. It would have been the wrong decision. Now, we had this national search, and, of course, we talked to Jim Schlossnego, and we talked to Dan McDonald. You know, and these are guys, too, that, um, as you would say, as a friend says, you know, they're in the country club stage of their career. At Mississippi State, we don't ever need to have that guy. I, I think Dan McDonald's one of the best coaches in all college baseball. But Chris Lamonis still had some things to prove. You know, Chris Lamonis was the guy at Indiana, you know, that in some respects was kind of operated under Dan's shadow, you know, there at uh, Louisville. And so now all of a sudden he has a chance to have his own program. And Dan McDonald himself, out of his own mouth to my ears, he said, I told John Cohen Chris Lamonis is going to be a star. And now he is. And had we made the easy decision, we wouldn't have hired Chris Lamonis. And if we don't hire Kirsten Monis, I don't know that we win the NAFL championship. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that whoever we hire on the women's side is going to win a NAFL championship. We certainly hope so. We don't know that. We've only won one in a major sport in our university's history. And so for us to come out and forecast another one would be irresponsible. But I just caution you, too, no matter which direction that we go here, there are going to be pros, there are going to be cons. Well, Doug's a guy we know. Doug also doesn't have any connections on the recruiting side. And you're like, well, you know, Steve, hey, let's go back and get some high-dollar assistance. It's not that simple. If you can go write a big check, it doesn't mean you get the value of that assistant coach. I mean, you, you don't – It's think about this for a second. You have a coach who is an interim coach who has no background in women's basketball. And so I'm going to go move my family across the country and I'm going to go work for this guy. How long is this going to work? Is this sustainable? Those are the questions that you ask. 
Or is it better to go out and get a sitting staff? Go get a, and I believe when we do, it will, it'll be a G5 coach. And people are like, oh, let's go get a Power 5. You know, the money that we're going to be willing to, you know, to have to fork out to go get somebody on the Power 5 level that has actually accomplished anything is probably unrealistic. Yeah, of course, but we'll bring Vic back. Yeah, $3.6 million buyout. It's not going to happen. And we've got people that complain about a $15 parking pass. Somebody wants to go write a check for $3.6 million. It's not going to happen. But what I suspect will happen is that we'll go get a sitting head coach and bring their staff here, along with their connections to the recruiting world, people that already have a system in place, that already have a working relationship. I don't think you have to piecemeal this thing together because that's what would have to happen. You know, yeah, sure, Doug knows some people, but, you know, it's like, well, can this person recruit on the women's side? Can this person coach, motivate, and manage on the women's side? And so, to me – the easy decision is not to just promote Doug Novak. I, I think that would be simple and tidy in the minds of many in the fan base. To me, the simple decision is to go hire somebody who has proven themselves as a head coach on the women's side and then let them run the women's basketball program. It's not going to be simple to promote a guy and then have to go out here and kind of piecemeal this thing together. And we saw what happened the last you know, two years with assistant coaches uh, on the Nikki mccray Pinson side. I mean, it was kind of a revolving door. And I don't think that's all necessarily a reflection of her. I think the reality of it is it's difficult to put to field a staff when you don't bring a full staff with you. And, and that's what we've seen. And so – and I, and there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Doug has shown that, hey, under difficult circumstances and adversity, I can still motivate a team to go out and play hard. So, again, yes, is he a candidate? Is he the preferred candidate? I don't think so. And I think that's what some of our fans need to kind of prepare for, is that I think the, the best course of action or probably the most likely course of action is that we're going to go out and hire somebody else. And I, I know that that's going to be met with some resistance. We're like, oh, we should have just done this. And, again, I go back to the whole thing with Gary. I, I do. And, and I, Gary Henderson is a great man. I shared this with somebody yesterday. I don't know that I've ever been treated better, like in media opportunities in college baseball, than I was with Gary Henderson. Honest to goodness truth. And, and, and that's – and I'm the guy, right? I mean, I, you know, Greg Campbell took great care of me and, like, it would help me get my road credentials together or whatever. Gary Henderson spoke to me almost with reverence in his voice. And I say that not to be, you know, to praise myself, but to praise him. There would be times at media opportunities, like, you know, he would give his opening statement, then he'd turn to me and say, hey, Steve, what you got? And he always called me by name. He always made me feel important. Always. I'd see Gary out. He'd always come up and speak and say, hello, how are you doing? How's the family? Gary Henderson is a great man. He, but I don't believe that he was the right choice to lead our baseball program. Now, he has been given an opportunity somewhere else. And I'm a Gary Henderson fan. I hope he does exceptionally well. hope we see him at Omaha someday. And I hope that his time here at Mississippi State, even though he had some personal tragedy during his time here at Starkville, I hope he looks back on his time as a part of our family and uh, with, with pride. And I hope he looks back fondly at, at us. I really do. Because I know that there's not a certain, there's not anybody in Starkville, I believe, that thinks anything negative about Gary Henderson. And I think it'll be the same with Doug Novak. But I think the reality of it is, is the better part of leadership is making the right decision, even when it's not the popular decision. All right, time for today's top 10 list, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. I had lunch with Blair and his lovely family on Saturday. Before the book signing at Lemuria, reminder, I will be at Reed's in Tupelo 
the Gumtree Bookstore uh, Thursday. And if you're in town this weekend for the ball games, I'll be Book Martin Cafe prior to the game. I guess that's 10 to noonish, 1230-ish maybe. And then Saturday before the game, I'll be at Campus Book March. Come by and say hello. So we'll record the Friday Boneyard pretty early or late Thursday night. So, But uh, close with Blair at C-L-O-S-E with Blair.com, B-L-A-I-R. Blair is a mortgage professional. A lot of people out there want your business. Blair wants it too, but the difference is he is a proven professional in a very challenging industry. 21 years of experience. He's seen it all, done it all. And gotten those loans closed. There are a lot of people out there that are atypical borrowers. Blair can help you with that. Maybe a traditional lender has turned you down in the past. Well, Blair, if he can't get you approved, can put you on a path to approval. Be sure and check him out. And here's the deal, too. If you're a longtime listener of this show, or maybe even a first-time listener of the show, we're going to save you a little cash. Let him know you heard about him on the boneyard, and he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's a $500 value, or thereabouts. A lot of competition these days for all that stuff. So go to Close to Blair or text him or call him on his personal cell number because we're family here. We don't mind giving our numbers out. 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. That's CloseWithBlair.com. Before we get into the list, I have done over 300 top 10 lists since we started doing this uh, back in 2020. That's a lot. That's a lot, of, that's a lot of music, guys. I have never had more response to a list than I have with Ra, which makes me very, very happy. I love that band. And a lot of people have said, Steve, how have I never heard of these guys before? I said, well, you know, maybe we listen to the different stations. But I attribute a lot of that to kind of lazy record companies. Rye is a great band. The new album is phenomenal. I have been jamming that all week. And so many people have said, Steve, I'm enjoying this list and I'm getting deeper in the catalog. And the more I listen, the more that I like. That makes me very happy. I would say probably the second most talked about list, even though it's not the second most listened to list, is Jim Croce. We had a lot of our silver-haired dogs reach out and say, hey, Steve, this list was fantastic. Love Jim Croce. But Ra, a modern rock band that uh, has put out a handful of just absolute banger of albums. And um, I didn't mention on the list the song Sky, which is off the album From One. That is one of my favorite Ra songs. How I missed that, I don't know. And off the new album, I mentioned uh, Nobody Loves You featuring Lejean Witherspoon from Seven Dust. There is a, uh, another great, a couple of other great songs on there too, like uh, Let, it, Let It Lie is phenomenal. And then uh, Somewhere Beautiful is a great one. It's about kind of being in love and kind of dealing with the stresses of life. And it's like, you know what? I'll, I'm going to love us through. through. I'm going to love us through all this stuff and get us to somewhere beautiful. And that's really what we all want in life is something beautiful, whether it be personal or professional, mainly personal. We want to find something beautiful, something that's uh, kind of untapped and it's unique to us. All right, so Roy Samante, the, uh, the keeper of the list, after Gordon Griffin's great suggestion about people who had hit songs that are known for something else, and that list also a uh, lot, lot of activity with that one too. Roy said, hey, let's flip it up. Let's do singers that had uh, became actors or did uh, you know, feature films that were very successful. 
So here are your top 10 singers who also made a go of it on the acting side of things and did really well. Number 10, and I've got her number 10. I'm not a huge fan. I do respect her talent. She's an incredible singer, but it's Lady Gaga. And uh, we talked a little bit about the song Shallow with her and Bradley Cooper from the remake of uh, A Star is Born, which is phenomenal. The original was phenomenal. The remake, also phenomenal. But uh, I went with Bad Romance from Lady Gaga. Number 10 on your list, Bad Romance from Lady Gaga. Uh, Some of you guys are new Hellstorm fans, too. Uh, They do a great cover of Bad Romance. If you're looking for more of a rocked-up version of that track, check out Hellstorm's version of Bad Romance. Number 9, when I was a kid, uh, everybody loved Cher. Everybody. And then there was kind of like some backlash and that sort of stuff. Her and Sonny broke up, and the, the variety show was canceled, and all this stuff was going on, and Cher kind of disappeared for a while. And then next thing you know, she had a huge comeback uh, in the late 80s. If I could turn back time, not just because the video was just, you know, re- remarkable, shall we say. She uh, was on the radio everywhere. And one of my favorite songs from her comeback was Just Like Jesse James. Now, Cher also was one of the stars of the great movie Witches of Eastwick with Jack Nicholson, uh, Susan Sarandon, Michelle Pfeiffer. It's an outstanding film. So if you're unfamiliar with that, be sure and check that out. Number eight, and I could have him a little bit higher. He is not nearly as acclaimed as as an actor as he is a singer-songwriter, but it's John Bon Jovi. I decided to go with Blaze of Glory from the, the Young Guns 2 soundtrack. John actually is in that movie. Had a bit of a cameo appearance when uh, when uh, they're busting out Chavez and those guys, you know, from the pit, when they make the big run and rush, the guys try to get out of there and fight for their lives. John Bon Jovi is, uh, is killed in that scene. He also was on Ally McBeal. He's been in several movies. Leading Man was one of them. Uh, so John Bon Jovi, number eight, Blaze of Glory. Number seven, for a while, kind of America's sweetheart. You know, we had, uh, you know, Britney Spears and Jessica Simpson, but uh, Mandy Moore was a little more of a, um, you know, less controversial, I guess, shall we say, uh, artist. She was in uh, Walk to Remember. A lot of you ladies liked that film. She also is one of the stars of This Is Us, and I think she's outstanding in This Is Us. But we went with Mandy Moore's uh, first big hit, Candy. Not a real big Mandy Moore singer fan, but uh, she is very, very talented. It's not really in my lane here. Uh, number six, Queen Latifah. And I didn't know how this was going to work. I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, Queen Latifah was one of the first really prominent female rappers. And uh, as the kids would say, she's an OG. But she put together some great stuff and was really established as an artist and then became... Uh, an actor or actress, if you prefer. And she's been outstanding. She's had some huge roles and she's very believable, very credible. She can act. She's an ultra talented young lady. And uh, I guess she's not so young anymore. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. But number six, Ladies First by Queen Latifah. Uh, number five, I guess this is just because of the fact that I wanted to put this person on the list. Uh, he had a couple runs on Broadway, he was on the Gilmore Girls. That's right. I'm talking about the Robert Plant of my generation. It's Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. I decided rather than do a Skid Row song, I'm going to turn you guys on to something fresh. It's off Sebastian's very first solo album, and he's done a handful of them. From, it's uh, Bring Em Bach Alive, 
It's a song called I'll Never Turn My Back on Rock and Roll. And it is an absolute banger. The percussion on it is great. The vocal is great. Lyrically, it's a great song. It's very well produced. And when the album first came out, you had to order it through Sebastian Bach's website before they picked it up in stores. So Never Turn My Back on Rock and Roll by Sebastian Bach, number five on your list. Number four, it's uh, the ultra-talented Justin Timberlake. You know, he's been in several movies, Friends of Benefits, Social Network. He's been in a bunch. Of, and really, I thought he was kind of the star of the Social Network. But he's bringing Sexy back at number four. Sexy back by Justin Timberlake. And uh, I know many of you kind of share that struggle. You know, we're, we're bringing it back. You know, there were a lot of times, too, that there, you know, there are people that become famous for no other reason than, than being attractive. But that's not the case with Justin Timberlake. Uh Obviously, a very handsome man, but also ultra talented in many respects. So our our our, our caps are tipped to you, Justin Timberlake, probably America's most famous Tennessee fan. Uh, number three, I love Friday Night Lights. I love the TV show. I love the book. I love the movie. And I thought one of the stars of the movie was Tim McGraw. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. You know, he was um, you know former player that had a son. Um, you know, they kind of struggled. You know, it struggled at times to play with effort, struggled at times to embrace. And there were some very, very powerful scenes between Tim McGraw and his, you know, son in the movie. And I think, you know, that one of the, the endearing images of the movie is when it's over with and Tim gives his son his state championship ring. It's a very powerful moment. And it was kind of set up throughout the movie, you know, as, uh, is something that you kind of pay attention to as you watch that relationship just kind of develop. But I went with Live Like You Were Dying. That song came out when my dad was really sick, and a lot of people shared that with me, and, and I appreciate that. And to this day, I, I can listen to that song and think about my dad, but also, too, it's a great reminder, too, that um, we don't have a lot of time left ourselves, and we never know when the big day is going to come. And I, I was one of those kind of people, too. I didn't want to be laid on my deathbed one day and say, you know what, I never did the things that I was meant to do. I never wrote the big book. I never did that. I, I, I didn't want to live there, live like that. I didn't want to be on my deathbed with all my loved ones around me having these feelings of regret that I never found my own manifest destiny. Uh, number two, and uh, I didn't go with a hit song here. Uh, this is one of my favorite artists. And I don't know that we've had this song on the show, even when we did a top ten list of Lenny Kravitz songs. I don't know that we had this song out here. Lenny, of course... He's done some TV stuff. He's played himself in some shows. He was also in the movie Precious. Maybe you're unfamiliar with that. But Lenny is outstanding, an ultra-talented guy, one of the best songwriters. And what I love about Lenny, too, is not just his style and his vibe uh, and the fact that uh, Lenny's a, a dreadhead like me, but he has so much range. Like, And he has his own, in many ways, he's kind of like a rock version of Bruno Mars. Like, He's kind of a throwback vibe guy, but he, everything he does is unique. And so this was a song off the album Circus that I think is absolutely fabulous. Lenny describes it as the darkest album of his career because he was working through a very dark phase in his life. But it's the song Magdalene. And I love the drums on this. It's a very catchy, poppy song. It should have been released as a single, in my opinion. I think it is one of the better songs on the album and really, in many respects, probably one of the top 20 songs that Lenny Kravitz has ever uh, produce. So there you go, number two, Magdalene by Lenny Kravitz, your number two song. But number one, it's got to be Elvis Presley, right? I mean, it's like Elvis was such a huge superstar. You know, as Eddie Murphy said, you know, he, he couldn't act 
but they still let, let him sing his dialogue. I mean, so he was in all these musicals, and uh, there was a great one years ago, and I, I can't remember the young lady who was a love interest, but it was called Tickle Me. And I remember how beautiful she was, and I thought, man, if I could ever end up with somebody like that, I would have won at life. Uh, but Elvis was so much fun. You never knew when they were going to break into song in the Elvis movies. And there are so many of them that are so good. And a lot of people kind of laugh and think that it was really just cult of personality. But these movies were pretty well written, and the storylines are pretty good, even though like some of the action scenes are kind of antiquated. Elvis was a star. He was good at everything. He was fabulous, especially young Elvis, you know, when he was out really kind of establishing a brand. But if we're going to go Elvis and we're going to talk about a song, and even though he did not write this song, he was the first to record it commercially, it's Jailhouse Rock from Elvis Presley. So that's your top ten list today. A lot of fun for these. Thank you, Roy, for the suggestion. Uh, signed a book for Roy and his lovely family last night. He's one of those folks, too, that was uh, kind of delayed in the shipment. So got that done. So, again, you know, this glitch in the system is no respecter of persons. And even somebody that contributes to the boneyard was impacted. So uh, not play in favor. It's just one of those things in life we have to deal with. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out and let me know. Or let Roy know. Roy's the one that keeps the list. It might save you the opportunity of having to go to the middleman by going directly to Roy. You can find Roy on Twitter, and on Spotify at Dogmatic, that's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. I I don't know the significance of that. I don't. Maybe Roy will explain it to me. Uh, But you can find him there. And then, of course, Izzy Mandelbaum, our great friend. I won't tell you who he really is. It's kind of a mystery. It's go time. But Izzy puts those those lists together for us on uh, Apple Music. Very grateful for those guys for their contributions to the show. And they just do it you know, because they love all of you and to kind of help me, which I think is fantastic. So that's your top 10 list. I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I mentioned I will be there Saturday morning. And uh, maybe if you are going to be there after me, maybe you can go ahead and call ahead and uh, put in a pre-order. And I can sign it when they get there and you can pick it up on your way to the game. Do the same thing with Bookmart Cafe. Uh, Stand a man. Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there will make you feel like family because in their minds you are family. They're peddling the latest and greatest in Mississippi State merch, and if you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal listener of this show, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR. That stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. You know, the weather during the early part of baseball season is a little bit iffy, right? Get the M over S hoodie or get an AFL championship hoodie and then get an M over S t-shirt and then you can dress in layers and you're cooler, right? You're cooler as the ball game goes on. You know, maybe you get there for a midweek game and, hey, it's t-shirt weather and by the time you leave, you wish you had a jacket, well, you got that hoodie with you. Be sure and check out all of their great merchandise. Again, at campusbookmart.net and, again, promo code uh, BSR. Let's take a look at the men's side of things. Mississippi State going to take on Alabama uh, tonight. And uh, this is a big ball game for us for a lot of reasons. You know, we have not won in Tuscaloosa since 2016. That was the second year of the Ben Howland era. Uh, Craig Swart goes over there and finally gets a win. You know, Alabama native goes over there, does a good job. Uh, finally gets that taken care of. He was a senior that year. So his last opportunity to win in Tuscaloosa. So we haven't won over there in several seasons. And so it's going to be a real task for us 
Alabama is a team that's played uh, kind of up and down at times. You know, you just never kind of know what to expect, uh, you know, one one game to the next. But the reality of it is, is it's a big game for us because it is the next game for us. We're still battling to prove some tournament, wor- tournament worthiness. We're 14-10 and 10 overall and 5-6 and six in the league. And we've been so poor on the road, and that's where we're going to have to improve uh, to kind of prove that we deserve to be good. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The tournament. This would be a big win for us in many respects. We've already beaten them. It's going to be broadcast on ESPN2. It's a 6 p.m. tip. So we'll be able to kind of get that done and get into the Jeans Page chat room uh, uh, there around 10. Looking at Alabama since uh, we played those guys, you know, some good wins and some losses you look at and say, okay, how does this happen? How did, how did this happen? Nate Oates did a great job there. They are a perimeter-oriented offense. When they're hitting – they're almost unbeatable. When they're not, the games are competitive. And we've kind of had a mixed bag of results over in Tuscaloosa. You know, sometimes we've gone over there and been embarrassed. Other times we have played it right down to the wire. 
which is something we're seeing a lot of this year. And it, again, I go back to this. If this thing is even or close with four minutes to play, you know, I'm going to start having that feeling of impending doom. Uh, Alabama 11-2 and two at home overall this year. They won two games in a row, 16-9 and nine overall and 6-6 six and six, uh, in the league. And I'm sure they're eager to get us down there after we beat them the last time. But since we have seen them and had that 78-76 win, you know, the one game we really closed out strong, that was a Saturday, January 15th game. Uh, you know, we, we have had some trouble closing games. That wasn't one of them. We did a really good job in that game. So since then, uh, they have hosted, at that time, number 13, LSU, took them down 70-67. They host Mizzou, win that game by 10. Did they lose at Georgia? That's the one you look at, you kind of scratch your head about. It's like, how in the world did this happen? They went down to Athens and they lost. They bounced back and they beat Baylor that Saturday in Tuscaloosa. At the time, Baylor ranked number four, 87-78. And if you watch that game, there was really not much doubt about who was going to win down the stretch. They bounced back from that great win. And like everything else in life, this too shall pass. The euphoria of that huge win, short-lived. They get absolutely drilled at number one Auburn, 100-81, to and the score is not indicative of how much better Auburn was on that day. They hit the road, uh, excuse me, Kentucky hits the road to Tuscaloosa, and they win 66-55. So right there, Alabama, three consecutive top five opponents, and they go one and two, and then a couple of those games were not significant in any respect uh, for Alabama's postseason resume. They travel to Ole Miss, and they, they handle the Rebels pretty handily, 97-83. And then they host Arkansas earlier, uh, I guess it's back on Saturday, and they win 68-67. So they're feeling good about life and said, hey, we finally got through the difficult stretch in our schedule, and so we've got a chance to kind of make some hay and, and prove our tournament worthiness ourselves. And outside of a road trip to Kentucky – I'm sure they're looking at the schedule thinking, hey, we have a chance to really close strong. They host us, and then they're at Kentucky, at Vanderbilt. That should be a W. They host South Carolina. That should be a W. They host A&M. That should be a W. Then they travel down to LSU. And I would venture to say, in the way Alabama's playing right now, that should probably be a W. So they have a chance to really set up for a very significant close. Uh, on the men's side of things over there at Alabama. And, uh, of course, what we're worried about is kind of what happens tonight. And so, as you hear all these little tones, those are people inquiring to either let me know they got their book or they haven't got their book. All right, so looking at the team numbers here, uh, Alabama's a team that puts up 80.4 points a ball game. We're not going to win a game in the 80s, and I don't know that we win a game in the 70s. We might be able to win a game in the low 70s because this Alabama team has not been you know, stellar defensively. So this game, I, I suspect, will probably end up in the 70s. We're not going to win an up-and-down game with them. And we're going to slow it down some. Maybe it's a game in the high 60s or 70s, but I do think it'll be a game in the 70s. Alabama outscoring their opponents by nearly five points per game. Uh, you know, Shooting-wise, they have been decent this year, 28.1%. The three-point game has been better as of late. They're up 31% as a team, but they're allowing a lot from the perimeter too. Opponents are out shooting them from three. The difference is we don't shoot many uh, from, you know, from outside. You know, a decent free throw shooting team right at 72%. Rebounding has been pretty good for them. Uh, averaging 40, point, 40 rebounds per game. Uh, out rebounding opponents by 3.4. 
And when you shoot as many perimeter jumpers as they do, you better be outstanding on the glass. And they have been. But that's one of the reasons that we got them last time is they weren't hitting those shots and we were able to pull rebounds down. Uh, they do share the basketball pretty well. 14.5 assists per ball game, only allow 12.2. So that's a very positive uh, 2.3 differential in their favor. Turnovers at times have been an issue for the team, but you know, it's not something you look at and say it's a really gaudy situation. Um, 16.4 turnovers per game. Opponents turn it over 15.4. So it's a one a one turnover differential, so it's not a significant stat. 174 steals for them, which is seven per game. They've allowed 180. So, again, you know, not really creating a lot of separation there. Uh, blocks, 123 for them, 4.9 per game. They've allowed 91, 3.6 per game. Look at the individual numbers here. And, again, in this respect, not a lot has changed. Jaden Shackelford, you guys know him, right? The guy can really play. Playing, leading the team with 34 minutes a game. He has attempted a team-high 211 three-point attempts. He's knocked down 78 of those, shooting 37%. Good free-throw shooter at 77%. Uh, pulled down 140 rebounds this year, which is second on the team. Guy kind of does it all. Five blocks, 23 steals. Will turn the basketball over, though. 53 turnovers. Uh, Javon Quinterly, this is a guy, too, that um, – Played really well against us. And he's one of those irritants. You know what I mean? It's like the whole ball game long. You don't you don't see a lot from him, and next thing you know, he's knocking down a big shot and then getting out there, getting a hand in a passing lane, forcing a turnover. Not a star on this team, but one of those guys that really makes him go. The guy plays a ton of minutes, as you guys know. Uh, 31.2, 33 of, 30, of 136 from three-point line. Uh, pulling down 13.9 points per game for them. Keon Ellis, 11.6 for him. So they have three guys averaging double figures. And this, again, it's a team that averages 80 points a game. So uh, the reality of it is, is we know them and they know us. We've got to turn up and play uh, good basketball. Our season kind of depends on this. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Once we got, you know, shellacked by Texas Tech, that as bad as that was, we had a defining stretch in the season coming up that we could kind of make that feel like a distant memory. We have not taken advantage of that. And this is the last game in that stretch uh, that really gives us a chance to pick up, you know, a signature-type win. We did take care of South Carolina, and then ever since then, we have really struggled. And, and I don't know that if you take a look, if you really look at our schedule, and I think maybe some people have kind of lost sight of this, you know, we have lost five of six. You know, that we're in the meaty part of the schedule. We hope to make the tournament. And we've lost five of six. Now, because we have been competitive in so many of these games and really had a chance to, uh, to win and just kind of falter late, it doesn't feel that bad. But the reality of it is when you're trying to pad your postseason resume and you go on a five out of six deal on the, on the negative side, it's difficult. It's difficult to improve your net. And it's difficult to improve your profile as a tournament team. We have not taken advantage of this. And it's like they said on the SEC Network, it's not just about having the opportunity to get a quad one win. you got to cash some of those in. Now, what I expect to happen is I expect us to lose this ballgame. And I expect the, you know, the social media engine to get cranked up. If we win this game, it changes some things. You know, and maybe it prolongs the inevitable for this season uh, because you know, we have been kind of up and down. But can we win the game? Yes, we can. 
but we have not been a good road team. Again, we're 0-6 on the road, and we're going into a place that we had won since 2016. So win or lose, I think we're going to probably put together a decent stretch here over the course of the next couple of weeks uh, that may give us a chance. But the problem with that is, is that the opportunities for quad one wins are quickly evaporating in front of us. I am worried about this Missouri group. You say, Steve, they hadn't played exceptionally well. They've played pretty well at home. And we have to play them two times in three days. So we'll play Alabama tonight, host Missouri on Friday, and then hit the plane Saturday and play those same guys on Sunday. If I had to call it today, I would say it's probably a split. And then you've got to find a way to go win at South Carolina, take care of Vanderbilt. Auburn comes to town. Looking forward to that one uh, on March 2nd. And then we finish out the regular season slate at A&M. And so you look at what's left and you begin to realize, you know, the opportunities to see Mississippi State in person are kind of dwindling. Seven games left, four of those on the road. And I want to keep beating the dead horse, but we have not won a road game this year. And in order for us to even be any – to even firmly be on the bubble, we're probably going to have to pick up a couple of road wins just to make that feel like a possibility. I still think this team's best basketball could be in front of them. This is a team, obviously, that has learned to play without Tolu Smith at times. But if he's healthy, we get Shaquille Moore going and give Iverson Molinar another scoring option out there, a complimentary score, based on what you see from Garrison Brooks, you mean you've got a chance to go out there and have four guys put up double digits. And so I think we're going to see some more wins. Is it going to be enough, though? That's the big rub, right? Because we have allowed some golden opportunities uh, to slip by. But I'll, I'll, I'll share with you this. We lose one or two of these games that we're hoping and expecting to win. And uh, I, I think in many respects, you kind of know what's coming. I think we can all agree with that. You know, it, it, let's say we lose to Alabama, even if it's a competitive game, and then you split with Missouri, you know, the bloom is going to be off the road. And, let, and then say you lose to South Carolina or Vanderbilt, you know, I think most people are conceding the Auburn game be one of the bigger wins in, in recent memory if we could find a way to win that game. But there's not a lot on here that really inspires a lot of confidence. You probably, like me, you feel really good about playing Missouri Friday at our place. I don't feel great about going on the road, and it's not necessarily because they're a great home team. It's because we have proven to be a very inconsistent road team ourselves. I shared with some friends a few weeks back, I thought we would end up winning 17 regular season games and probably finish 8-10 and 10 in the league. And I think we're going to have to have some good things happen to make that a reality. I really do. You say, well, Steve, there's, there's the opportunity there to win several games. And you're right about that. But if let's just say off the top of my head I'm picking this. I got a loss tonight. I got a win Friday. That's one and one down the stretch. I got a loss Sunday, which makes it one and two. You go to South Carolina. They had a big win last night of Roll Miss. Big buzzer bitter, right? It's a toss-up game, but you know, until we prove we can win on the road, how can you pick State on the road? So all of a sudden, you're one and three. You beat Vanderbilt here, makes you two and three. Then you got Auburn, that makes you two and four. And then you'd have to win at A&M on the road uh, to get to three and four, which would make Mississippi State a 17-win team and eight and ten in the league. And that's not going to get you in a tournament. It's just not. You'd have to have a miraculous run in the SEC tournament. And, uh, again, we've been very good at home. And really pretty much throughout Ben Howen's tenure here, we're just not a good road team. And, 
And I think that's the mark of a great tournament team. Teams that can, can put on a dark curl of jersey and go into somebody else's gym and play quality basketball. We have not proven that we can do that this year. And so uh, I'm not going to sit here and have another one of these things. Uh, let's assess Ben Howen. Uh, we've got some winnable games in front of us. We have some challenging games in front of us. And in many respects, I think the trajectory of the team and the program is not good. Uh, no matter how much we like these guys, when you lose five out of six, it's difficult to, to have any real support for the team and or the program uh, in that respect as far as defense. I mean, of course, they're our players. We love them. Uh, they're our coaches. We support them. But the reality of it is is that this is a – this is a team, and this is a season that I think we can all say at this point is disappointing. Lost some games we absolutely shouldn't have and haven't won any that we shouldn't have. That's, that's one of the things you can deal with. It's like, yeah, we've had some lower lows, but we haven't had many highs. And you look, you look at football, people say, well, it's kind of reminiscent of football. No, no, it's not. It's not reminiscent of football. You know, Mike Leach goes out there, and we win at College Station the week before they beat number one Alabama. We go down there and, was it 88,000 people at Kyle Field? We win the game. We go to Auburn. We win that game. You know, so, yeah, we've had some highs. Have we had some lows in the Mike Leach experience? Yes, we have. We have. Losing to Memphis wasn't in the cards, was it? But that's the thing. It's like at least there was some things. You see some, some signs of life on the football side. It's like, hey, if we can just get a little more consistent with a couple personnel groups – you know, we, we can compete with these teams. But when you look at the, the basketball side, it's like, again, we're just trying to avoid the bad loss. We never look at a game. It's like we talked about, you know, the atmosphere to Arkansas when they had Auburn go in there. We talked about A&M when Kentucky went in there. Everybody's got on their whiteout shirts. Everything is great. The music is jamming. People are excited. They're turning out because they believe their team has a chance to do something historic. And I would submit to you that if you polled Mississippi State fans today, there's probably less than 10% that believe that we're going to have a chance to do something historic when Auburn comes to town. Now, I think there'll be a good crowd Friday night from Missouri because a lot of people are in town for the weekend. So you go to the baseball game, and then you can just go right on over to Humphrey Coliseum, and you can cheer for the Bulldogs. And that's a big win for us, but again, because it's one of the final home games. So I think we'll have a good crowd there. And um, – you know, the thing that I go back to, and people, I don't like people blaming the fans. I, I, I don't, I, especially on the basketball side of things. Like midweek games, very difficult for John Q. Bulldog you know, to get off work in time, pack up the kids, make the trip up from Jackson or over from Birmingham or down from Memphis, and to go watch basketball and get back. It's difficult. It's too easy to sit at home and watch those games. The weekends are a different story because many of you are kind of in the habit of coming up here and you've got favorite restaurants and favorite places you like to visit. So I don't blame fans for not turning out. But the, the reality of it is, is, you know, we need a great home environment and we have big ball games. We absolutely have to have that. But how can I hand out an indictment against our fans when we have not really given them anything to be excited about on the court? Because at the end of the day, people vote with their absenteeism. I'm going to turn out and support this team because they're playing well or they're winning. But if they're not playing well, they're not winning, I'm just going to sit at home. I can, I can love Mississippi State from afar rather than pack everybody up and make that trip up there and be all tired the next day at work after watching us lose a ball game uh, that we hope to win. And so my hope is if and when we make a change, and I, I, I do believe that is the case, that we are trending in that direction. I don't know how anybody could argue against it.
that there will be new life in this program. We're going to be renovating Humphrey Coliseum and that it makes it a little easier to make that trip midweek and certainly on the weekends and turn out and being part of that. And so, you know, one of the things people always ask me is like, Steve, you know, what are you looking for, you know, in, in, a, in a new men's basketball coach? And it's really the same for every coach in every sport. Number one, I want to win. Everything else is secondary to that. I want to win. And people say, well, you know, winning at all costs. I, I, I just want to win. Whether we're winning at all costs, half cost, no cost. I want to win, period. I want to graduate and produce quality young men and women and educate them and put them into the workforce for those that are going to have a career outside of professional athletics, which is the overwhelming majority of them, and have them to be productive members of society and productive members of our Mississippi State family. And then there's everything else. But part of everything else is I want a coach that is engaged with our community. I want a coach that turns out, you know, we, we all talk about Vic. And, and listen, Vic is a guy that could win. Vic's a guy that had some faults. But here's the thing, too. And Vic may have been the best at this. Honestly, when I think about in my lifetime, there probably has not been a better coach than Vic Schaefer that made everybody feel a part of things. He'd have his luncheons up here, and, and it'd, it'd be a p- big crowd every week. He'd get up there, and he'd talk about you know, the games and what's coming up and what's going on. He made it like, hey, you need to be a part of this. And he stayed after and took every picture and encouraged his players to do the same. And they were our team. They were our players. That's how we felt. We said, you know, we are part of this. We need that in every sport. You know, and Michael Leach is a guy that will get out. You know, Chris Simonis is a guy that will get out. Uh, I've had some people that have told me that Julie Darty Dennis is very engaging. They really like her a lot an opportunity to get out and go visit with them. I've met some of our soccer staff. You know, and they're always like, they, they know me. They come and say hello to me. I was a soccer player too, you know. And so I think we have done a good job with that. You know, Starkville is a special place. And I think what we do around here, and it's not just unique to Starkville, is when we have coaches that make us feel like this is our program. It's not their program where they keep us at arm's length. There are people that are engaged and people buy into that. I mean, how many of your children have a picture of Blair Schaefer or Tierra McCowan or Victoria Vivians on your phone? How many of your kids have a picture with Jake Mangum or Hunter Stovall or Ethan Small or Brent Rooker? Well, a lot. A lot. How many of them have a picture with Rowdy Jordan TA? It's a bunch. And it makes it so much easier to cheer for those players of every sport when we feel like we know them and we think that they know us. And I read recently that J.P. Purvis, a reserve bulldog safety slash linebacker, you know, he'd met a young man that uh, during the season and uh, you know, there was a social media posting about what it meant to the young man. It was, I guess, some gloves or something that J.P. gave him. Well, next thing you know, J.P. Uh, reached out to the family his girlfriend has. And the next thing you know, there's another meeting. And, and you know, now, all of a sudden, this guy's got a J.P. Purvis jersey. You know, it's like those are the things that make the difference. This is what cultivates the fan base is when people feel that they're engaged. They don't feel like that they are spectators at a sporting event. They feel like they are participants in the program. That's in a big part of things, and we are missing that on the men's side in basketball. Let's thank our, our good friends at Portico. Had a chance to visit with some of the guys in Portico yesterday. You know, Brooks Bryan's my buddy, and uh, he's your buddy, too. Had a chance to see his lovely wife, Beth, yesterday, too. Uh, kind of a power couple there in central Mississippi. Maybe you weren't aware, you know. Uh, not saying you got to go kiss the ring that Brooks Bryan is wearing or anything, but uh, 
you might want to run some things by him. No, I'm kidding around. But I uh, saw Kerry and those guys yesterday. Of course, uh, Kerry involved uh, Kerry Pennebaker up there doing the, the building up here at Portico. Uh, listen, Kerry told me an interesting story, too. He said, uh, hey, I was on campus, realized I forgot something, ran to our place in Portico. I'm back in six minutes. Is that not ridiculous to be that close to campus, that conveniently located to campus? And, again, it's 1.1 miles away. So you're right there, but also, too, the quiet side of campus. How many times have you forgotten something at home, you know, hauling all your stuff up here to go tailgate? It's like, oh, my gosh, and then I want to have to go fight the crowd at Walmart when I've got, uh, you know, slap your mama seasoning right there on the bar. Well, if you forget it, you know, within 10 minutes, you can be back. If I was moving, I would move to Portico. Whether it be my secondary home, the primary residence, future retirement home, whatever, a lot of people that have a place up here. It's like, I got a place in Starkville. Yeah, but the place in Starkville is eventually just going to be the place. This is our place. You know, it's not just where we go on ballgame weekends. Eventually, this is going to be where we live. And maybe it's an investment property for you. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's uh, just something you look at and say, you know what, this is just where we're going to be when it's time uh, to retire. That's cool. But Catch up with Brooks Bryan at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. And he'll get you the information. You can you can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home and go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home and everything in between. Not a lot in between, but there's, you know, you got some wiggle room there. And you can pick out your lot. You can pick out your house plans and be a part of this process. And everybody deserves to do that once in their life. Again, that's Portico. Make it your next move. I had the privilege and honor earlier this week uh, to interview one of Mississippi State's oldest living football players. That's Twig Branch. You say, Steve, I never heard of Twig Branch. That's part of the problem. Uh, Twig Branch in his 90s, in his 90s, writing books, basically wrote his memoirs. He's written a couple books. Uh, he wrote one about kind of growing up in Salus, Mississippi called Look Out, Miss Minnie. And it's just kind of, you know, it is a kind of a colloquial type story. It's just growing up in small town Mississippi and kind of some of the trouble that, you know, that, that young boys get into. Uh, but also, too, he has written the book about his football career. And he's a guy, too, that coached for many years. But, you know, he's from Salus, Mississippi and moved to Pascagoula during the World War II. You know, his dad worked there at Ingalls Shipyards so kind of uh, in support of, uh, you know, of our armed forces. Down there just kind of getting things done. And so he played at Pascagoula High School. He was largely a reserve, had a couple of good ball games, and then, uh, you know, his coach took over PRC. Doby went to PRC and then ultimately decided, hey, we're going to we're gonna run the T formation, so I need some players that are familiar with the scheme. And he goes out and he offers Twig Branch, who was Frank Branch at the time. He wasn't Twig yet. He was Frank Branch and said, hey, why don't you come to PRC? And then, you know, he was in the Perk Districts, had to get the release and all this kind of stuff. So they get all that taken care of. And Twig will tell you, I wasn't going to college. I was considering a career in the military. I mean, I had nothing going on, did not have the resources to go to school, was given a um, scholarship to go play at Pearl River Junior College at the time. In the second season, PRC wins the state championship. They play in a Memorial Bowl game in Jackson against Lamar, who was at that point transitioning from a junior college to a four-year school, um, and PRC still won a game. And at that game was former Mississippi State head coach Slick Morton. 
after the game is over, Slick Morton goes in the dressing room and he goes, hey, little man, I like how you played out there. So we offer a scholarship. But it was a lot different back then, too. And National Signing Day was kind of a different deal. It was kind of like agreed upon. When you committed, but sometimes you could even sign. You didn't have all this national letter of intent stuff back then. And so, so anyway, he ends up being here and uh, shows up on for spring practice, and there's a dozen quarterbacks out there. And he said they were from everywhere. They were from all over the South. Many of them were, were uh, scholarship guys. But the difference was is that um, Twig, all 5'10", 124 pounds of him, had played the T formation. We were installing the new scheme. We were getting away from the wing T, getting away from the power running game, trying to use our speed. Next thing you know, Twig Branch is your starting quarterback. And, again, he wasn't Twig just yet. He ran across one of Mississippi State's greatest defensive players, Joe Fortunato. I had the, the honor of, inter- of interviewing Joe years ago for a – piece that we did on jeanspage.com. It was also in the Dogs Bite magazine. Joe played fullback and linebacker at Mississippi State. Had an amazing career here and then uh, played in the NFL for several years. And Joe loved Mississippi State. He absolutely loved Mississippi State. Met a Mississippi girl, married her, stayed here. Outstanding guy. So Frank Branch is – out there for spring training. And, and Joe Fortunato, of course, this big booming and uh, imposing presence walks up and he goes, hey, boy, what's your name? And Twig said he was kind of intimidated, you know, even though they were you know, the same, relatively the same age. And he said, Branch, sir. And Joe Fortunato quickly clips back, Branch, you ain't big enough to be a Twig. Thus, a great nickname in Mississippi State sports history was born, Twig Branch. You always wonder where the story came from. That's where it came from. Joe Fortunato one of the toughest, most physical players to ever wear the M over S, the, M over S, the maroon and white, dubbed Twig Branch the uh, Twig Branch. You know, it's just in- insane to think about. Those are the best stories, right? Those are the absolutely the best stories. And so, and listen, we weren't great in football then. We were competitive. We weren't great. That's the thing that I, I go back and I think about. It's, you know, that in many ways, you know, uh, you know, Twig was our guy. You know, Twig, in many ways, is the Mississippi State story. You know, he's kind of the underdog. You know, he's the guy that's a little bit undersized, and you find the right role for him, and he does some big things for you. You know, and he played, you know, two seasons for us, 1950, 1951. Uh, probably the most significant victory, you know, in Twig Branch's career, of course, is, uh, you know, the second game of the year. We beat number four, Tennessee, seven to nothing. We opened up the year 2-0 and that year. We beat Arkansas State in the season opener. But we talk off, knock off number four, uh, Tennessee. Not a lot of wins that year. We ended 4-5. and five. We beat Auburn 27 nothing. We lose to number four, Kentucky, 48-21. And then we lose uh, – we beat LSU and lose to Ole Miss. Of course, we didn't win a lot between 1947 and 1963 in the rivalry with Ole Miss. But, uh, you know, Twig was the guy. You know, of course, you got the big signature win. I had to kind of hang your hat on. Uh, the next year, we go to Knoxville, we play to Arkansas State again in the opener, and they get their revenge against us, a 14 nothing ball game, but again, very competitive. Well, the next week, we rebound, and we beat number 13, Georgia, in Starkville, 6 nothing. Again, not a lot of wins that year, another 4-5 and five year. We beat Tulane, we beat Memphis. But you, know, you, got, you had a couple of top 15 wins under your belt, uh, which is more than I can say for a lot of people. 
But uh, Twig is a great guy. He's also got a book on the market called From Zero to Hero. He wore the number zero when he was here. It was still allowable back then. They just made that available again last year. Um, but Twig is a guy that's in his 90s, and uh, mine's still sharp as a tack. I was absolutely impressed. If you speak to him on the phone or in person, you'd be amazed when you find out that his age. And this is a guy, again, that played here as a junior in college in 1950. And you, you can kind of do the math on that. In case you've forgotten, it's 2022. That's 72 years ago since he you know, took to the Mississippi State spring practice fields and won the starting job as a quarterback at 124 pounds, whatever it was. He was tiny. But he was a guy that was a competitor. And he's still fighting. And um, Twig doesn't do the internet, doesn't have a smartphone. He just got a flip phone. I told him, I said, Twig, I'll be happy. I wrote an article about this yesterday. And I said, Twig, I'll be happy to send you a copy of the article. And he goes, well, you have to mail it to me, you know. And uh, fortunately, this morning he calls me and, the article's created a little bit of a buzz. He's heard from several of his former players there at Picayune, and, and a lot of people are buying books. So I'm not just here to peddle my own books. Uh, if you're looking for kind of a slice of Mississippi State football history, and, and again, a guy that was a success story of the Mississippi Junior College system, uh, Twig Branch is the way to go. Go to twigbranch.com. You can order those books. He'll get them right out to you. Great guy. You can also buy them locally at Campus Bookmart and at uh, Bookmart Cafe. So if you're coming to see me tomorrow uh, to get a copy of Dogpile, maybe pick up a copy of From Zero to Hero while you're there. All right, so we'll be back on Friday, and uh, we'll preview the series with Long Beach State. Really excited about that. Of course, we'll have some, uh, some basketball stuff to preview. I want to thank everybody again for their patience. We worked through the shipping issues. We've just never seen anything quite like this, to have so many books sold in such a short amount of time. And having to process all those orders, I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you, that's just kind of the reality of the situation. But we are going to get you taken care of. We're not going to run out of books before you have your book if you ordered online from us. We'll get that taken care of. But there will come a time that we don't have any books in inventory. They're only going to be in stores until the second printing arrives. I know when I first say, hey, we're going to run out of books, people begin to panic and think, you mean I'm not going to get one? Nope. If you've got one online, you're good. But also, too, we're going to have more books coming, too. So there will come a time when you can kind of pre-order those books, too. Uh, but we're going to redirect you to vendors at that point. You know, once the warehouse is exhausted, we're going to redirect you to bookstores that we know uh, that have those books. And I know the folks at College Corner uh, there in the central Mississippi area have it. Lemuria Books, of course. Uh, Barnes & Noble available, I think, three locations now. Um, and so you're going to be able to get books. But uh, be prepared before baseball season is over. We're going to run out of books, but we're also going to have books. You know, we'll have that taken care of, you know, uh, barring any delays, you know, before the end of the regular season and as we get into the regional. So we'll have some good times together. And then, you know, what's going to happen then is you guys are going to buy those books and they're going to print some more. And so we're going to print books uh, as rapidly as we can with the quantities that they allow us to because of this paper shortage. And I'll be signing this book probably the rest of my life, but uh, don't fret Every time that the inventory kind of gets, uh, you know, run down, we're just going to order some more books. That's how, that's how this thing works. And so if you don't get any of this first printing, don't panic. More on the way. But there are still plenty of books available right now, even though I can tell you that um, I, as far as our inventory goes with the warehouse, we are, we are under 1,000 books. Now, there's more than 1,000 books out there on the market, uh, but... With so many people coming to town this weekend, uh, we expect that a lot of that inventory locally will be exhausted. 
And so there's a really good chance that we won't have books uh, through the Dogpile website after this month until the second printing comes in. So again, don't panic. Even if you have to wait a little bit, it'll be well worth it. And so many of you have reached out and shared uh, your review of the book, and um, it, it's incredible. I have had many people that have reached out and said those first few chapters have just uh, really meant a lot to them. You know, things they didn't know and you know, things that kind of set up kind of where we are as a program. And that means an awful lot to me because this is our baseball program. You know what I'm saying? It's our program. We're a part of this. And one of the last things I'm going to say before we go today, there are a lot of people out there that are going to say, hey, you know, you say, hey, we did it. Oh, well, they did it. No, no, no. We did it. We did it. We're part of that too. We may not have been on the field, but you guys were in the stands. You guys created the greatest atmosphere in all of college baseball. You made the M over S brand mean something. Every time that you wore that M over S cap somewhere in your hometown, other people identified, hey, that's that's a bulldog right there. And you know what? The bulldogs are good at baseball. You helped build this brand. And then you got the ultimate payoff last year with this program winning an NFL championship. So don't ever let anybody tell you that you weren't a part of that. You absolutely are a part of that. And I thank you for doing your part to support Mississippi State baseball. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.